So uh, Psalms 23 uh, is, like I said earlier, um, is part of a, a group of three psalms, a trio that is messianic. Psalms 22, uh, we looked at last time. If you look at verses 1, we know this part, right? My God, my God, why have you went? forsaken me. And all the details we've looked at last week, we made a more of a apologetics post of how that is pre predicting and pointing us towards the Messiah. Okay, So Psalms 23, I think, is also the Messiah. But instead of Psalms 22 is a suffering servant, Psalms 23 is the Messiah as shepherd. Okay, The Messiah shepherd. So a little bit of word. Uh, so today we're going to be seeing three um, of how Christ is our Messiah as a shepherd in three seasons of our life. Okay. The Lord is my shepherd during ordinary time. I think is verses 1 to 3 if you're looking at the outline. Point number 2 is the Lord is my shepherd during difficult times. It's 4 to 5, okay? The Lord is my shepherd for eternity, okay? But I also want to make a point, especially uh, later tonight when you click on the second link. I actually think this is not just talking about any ordinary song. This is actually a prediction of the Messiah and how the Messiah, Jesus Christ, Live this out also as well, okay? Actually, the psalm is so rich, I, I don't have time to go over it. I think if you look at uh, Mark 6, you also see the Messiah also as well, that this is him as shepherd, and then also him as sheep. You guys realize the imagery of the Messiah is pretty rich, right? He, Jesus Christ is called the shepherd, and he's also called the what? Lamb. That is a young sheep who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, so I think it's an interchange, because the Messiah is not only in charge of us, but he also relates to us, right? He's called Lord, and yet Hebrews 2 calls him what? Brother, also as well. He calls us what? Brother, okay? Um, so, while those shirts is not necessarily the most fuller's respect, right? The Jesus, my homeboy t-shirts. Mm -hmm. And nevertheless, there is a sense where he is related as our brother mm -hmm. to affiliate with us in his mm -hmm. humanity, okay? So, in looking at this, uh, point number one will be, The Lord is my shepherd during ordinary times. The Lord is my shepherd during difficult times. And the Lord is my shepherd for eternity, okay? Verses 1 to 3. Verses 4 to 5 and verses 6, um, respectively, okay? So, in looking at the imagery as shepherd, uh, like I mentioned earlier, um, we'll skip through that part. We'll just go to part 1, okay? For the sake of time tonight. The Lord is my shepherd during ordinary times, okay? We see this very clearly stated in verses 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not, what? Want, okay? Um, when we look at this, we see uh, in verses 1 to 3, I think the emphasis is during ordinary time. Then later it's going to get very, very uh, dramatic, what uh, Caleb pointed out the observation, like, wow, what a powerful thing, right? Walk through the valley of the shadow of death, okay? Um, if you're following through with the outline, um, you'll uh, how I break this down is how is the Lord a shepherd, okay? We're going to see it's four ways, and how does it benefit us? So with each one of these three points we're going to look at today, we're going to see how is the Lord our shepherd during these different seasons, and also how does that benefit us, okay? Four ways He's our shepherd. Number one, um, it makes it very clear, verses 1, the Lord is my shepherd, right? I shall not want. Okay? Uh, one of the ways He is our shepherd is He makes us lie down in green pastures, okay? Lie down here strongly implies uh, God is the one who makes this happen, okay? Emphasizing God is the one who's doing this for us, okay? Uh, the word here for green, uh, does all your versions say green pastures in verses 2? Uh, literally, the word green pasture here is actually grass. Now, Hebrew actually has more than one word for grass. Because what in agricultural society, we have more than one what word for grass, okay? Just maybe the same thing, maybe like in Asian culture, right? Uh, rice, is it a pretty big deal as a staple? Mm -hmm. There's more than one word for what? Rice, right? The one you cook and the one that's in the field. Oh, yeah. Okay? Me, and then what? Fine, right? Okay? Uh, at least for me, going all over Asia, I discovered, hey, every culture has that. Indonesian has that, right? When I preach at Indonesian churches... Nepali, Cambodians, uh, 
you know, all, all of that. You, you Japanese also as well, okay? So in the same way, they actually have more than one word for grass. Now, this word for grass in the Hebrew actually refers to fresh grass that comes out during the raining season. Like, you know, like uh, how grass goes through. Like, when we kind of like look at some... Grass. Say again? Young grass. Yeah, young grass. Okay. Either the best way to think of it is like... Um, Southern California, when you look at the mountains, you see grass in different seasons, right? Most of the time, it looks really what? Southern California, very brown, right? Very brown, okay? But ever after it rains, what does it look like? Green. It looks very, very fresh green, okay? So that's the kind of grass he's talking about. That the Lord causes to lie down in what? Fresh grass right after the raining season, okay? So this is a time of blessing, and God is the source of that, too. Or Christ is the source of that. Second benefit described is he leads me besides quiet waters. You guys see that in verses 2? Um, quiet waters here, I think the best way to understand the word quiet is not referring to the waters. Um, is, I think the word is best translated as rest. And it's basically saying uh, God has provided a rest area near the waters. Okay? You guys ever drive down to San Diego? There's a long stretch of road and there's not a lot of, uh, in certain areas there's not a lot of uh, buildings, right? And there's also a rest uh, stop spot, right? Where you can look and you can kind of see the view of what? The ocean, right? So in the same way, this is the idea of there's a resting spot. There's a resting spot right near the waters. Which, by the way, in ancient Israel or in ancient Near East, in the Middle East, um, is that a luxury? Is that a good thing when you're traveling as a nomad and suddenly you, you're taking care of sheep and suddenly you see there's what? Water, whether lakes or streams of water. You'll be joyful. And that's a rest spot. It's like, whoa, what did you know? There's water right next to our rest spot. That's what it's saying here, okay? When it says that He leads me besides quiet water, okay? Now, we might, humanly speaking, our responsibility, we have to, certain responsibility, we have to take care, that we have to look for that. But yet, we also know who is it that provides us that. It's God and His guidance, okay? So He leads us besides quiet water, okay? Then notice the third benefit. He says, He restores my... Look at verses 3, first line. What is verse... Uh, uh, first line in verse 3 says? Caleb, would you be able to read that? He restores my soul. Yeah, okay, thank you so much. The word restores here has the idea of reviving from food, okay? Think of the idea when you're really, really hungry, okay? You're really, really hungry, and you haven't ate for a while, and you've been doing a lot of things, maybe studying for finals, or you've been working out, or you've been working, cleaning things out, uh, doing physical labor, and then you're so hungry... And then you're eating this food to refresh you, to strengthen you. When it says here, restores my soul, that's the same verb idea of being revived from food. But now it's not talking about just our body. What does it say? My soul, okay? Uh, the Hebrew word for nefesh refers to physical and more than that, right? The inner part that we don't see also. Like God is the one that refreshes us, okay? Uh, with that. It's like that's why they call it soul food. Yeah, soul food, okay? We could have some of soul food tonight also as well. We want, okay? Uh, then the for, uh, fourth way is in verses, uh, also in verses 3, he says, He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Okay? By the way, uh, David is writing here, and he's speaking of God as what? Guiding him. Is it, uh, let me ask you guys a question, paths. Is it singular or plural? Looking at verses 3, is it singular or plural? Plural, okay. Uh, now we know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's singular. But nevertheless, in also a, a journey of life, okay, uh, and not, we're not talking about the sense of trusting only in Jesus Christ and not trusting in Jesus. 
But yet, in our journeys of life, there'll be many worlds we have to transition, right? Cross points and stuff like that. And it says here, in ordinary times, God is the one who guides us in the paths of righteousness, what? For His name's sake, okay? With the word paths being plural, okay? Um, this shows that all walks, all roads of life we walk in is no longer, uh, is, uh, uh, God is guiding as God and Christ guiding us in the path of righteousness. By the way, I think whenever we make decisions, we should always pray also of wealth and righteousness. Uh, even a decision, I think, of school. Um, I know when, when I applied, you know, like the decision of like, oh, I accepted UCSD and UCLA. Now, I really like the scenery in UCSD. Um, but then my biggest decision was not because of the name of the UCLA. It was actually because I thought, oh, it would be closer to our church, okay? I do believe that when you make decisions uh, that is driven by righteousness, that is even driven by spiritual priority of God, that God does bless that also as well. Okay, just something even when, when it comes to decisions with jobs. Now, that doesn't mean sometimes people do move far, right? Uh, I don't think it's wrong. Uh, I don't think it's wrong to move new career, new churches. But at the same time, I think God honors when we put the priority of what we do. What I want to discourage is when we say oh, we only go after what? The Benjamins. Of where is the highest priority? Also, one of even um, one of the things that you encourage that sometimes people do need to move on. I think a good example is Nathan Chow. He got hired, pretty nice company, right? Uh, but at the same time, before he this decision was like saying, Jimmy, do you know of any good churches in where Seattle, right? That you can recommend. Okay, so even with the decisions, I'm not against moving or, or advancing career. There's a place for that, but never let's forget to make sure we put the Lord first. Okay. Uh, we're in Psalm 23, okay? Uh, Psalm 23. So he restores my soul, okay? He guides us in the path of righteousness. So how does it benefit in these four ways? First and foremost, in the benefit you see in verses 1, he says, I shall not want, okay? The term want is not referring to what we desire, but the idea that we don't lack anything we really need, okay? Um, so the Hebrew word, I know we translate that as want, but it's more, it's I shall not need. That is things that is re required, essential for survival. God has taken care and provide for that, okay? Uh, God is a shepherd in that sense of providing for things and we are not lacking, okay? The benefit of the Lord as shepherd is also emphasized in verse 2 to 3, where the object of the sentence is placed before the verb and the subject for emphasis, okay? These are the benefits, okay? We enjoy pasture, verses 2, okay? We are enjoy being besides waters in the second line of verse 2. We also are so benefit, verses 3, remember that? Uh, he, uh, our soul. Uh, we talked about the word soul. Now, I think in a lot of all this, I think that's important as application, is I think one of the things we need to realize in life is not everything we want or desire we will get in life. Okay? I think the earlier we know that, the earlier we will be uh, mature. I think that's a hallmark of maturity is realizing the difference between a little kid that cries and whines, and that is also realize not everything we want, we will get. I think part of growing up is realizing that. Because I think the person that's immature, even as an adult, if they think everything they want, they need to get, or else, they actually end up getting less, yeah. right? End up self-fulfilling prophecy, okay? Yeah. It's the interesting thing of God built in this world, right? Uh, with that. So I think the early we need to realize that, and just like the same thing with my little girls, right? Sometimes the girls say what? I need something. But do they really mean I need or they want? Right? Want they want, right? If you look at a toy store at any time this, this season of the year, kids will say what? I need. need. But do they really, really need that toy? 
or do they want, right? Okay. By the way, this should make us realize we should be thankful for God providing for what we need, okay? I, I think it is always good. Uh, I know one of my sisters was asking, like, she wants to go uh, with her church on a local short, short-term mission. This is my younger sister, youngest one. Uh, she wants to go somewhere. And I also always caution people with short-term mission. You don't want to go for spiritual tourism. You know what I mean? Like, some people, they do it just because of some emotional high. When they say, oh, I grew more than I actually benefited people. Now, I think we all feel that way when you go serve. But at the same time, if it's really, really true that you really benefit more by going than actually serving, then I think it might be better that you just donate that and grow, okay? I'm not really being a spiritual choice. But at the same time, if you can really be a blessing, uh, I think it's always a good thing to go. Because I feel there's something about uh, going to a third world, to places where it's difficult. When you come back, when you land... At LAX, when they stamp your uh, passport and say, welcome home, mm-hmm. man, there's nothing like coming back Dude. to our country and just the modern amenities and just to realize, whoa, we are blessed in so many ways, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, so in light of that, um, we need to realize that God provides for our needs, okay? So as application, ordinary times, have you trusted in God for your needs, right? And do you thank God for the need He provided? Not just only on Thanksgiving, it should be a lifestyle, okay? Say this after me. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. is a lifestyle. <laughs> and not just a holiday. Okay? So let's go to point number two. Uh, the Lord is my... So point number one is the Lord is my shepherd during ordinary times. What is point number two? If you're following with the outline. What's point number two? Point number two is... Anyone? The Lord is my shepherd during difficult times. Yeah, the Lord is my shepherd during difficult times, okay? Uh, so this is the verses 4 to 6, okay? Um, two situations is described. Uh, verses 4, this is the part where it's so vivid, right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, okay? By the way, in that post, if you scroll up, this is Ben Chung's idea. He told me, like, hey, why don't you put that meme uh, of what? That chicken, right? Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, right? And it's right next to where? Uh... KFC, okay? Uh, but that's his idea. But even though you walk through the valley of sh- death, right? Verses 3 mentioned earlier that God leads us on the path of righteousness. But that does not mean things will always be easy, okay? Uh, things that are difficult and a righteous path are not necessarily mutually exclusive, okay? Uh, sometimes the right path is a difficult path, okay? Here he is in the valley of death, okay? Look at verses 5. In the presence of of my enemies, okay? Mm-hmm. By the way, enemies is a singular or plural in verses 5? Plural, plural. plural, okay? And it's plural to indicate more than one is in view. Think of how scary it is already having one, mm-hmm. but now there's plural, okay? And yet, how is the Lord a shepherd during this difficult time? We will see it explained in verses 4 to 6. Verses 4, He is a reason that David has no fear. God is a reason because He says what? For you are with me, okay? Mm-hmm. When we celebrate, I know sometimes when people get close around Christmas, people think about Christ, and we think about 2,000 years ago afar. But have you ever thought about the fact that the reason why Christ died on the cross is so that He would be near us? So even now, He lives in our hearts, okay? It says here, For you are with me. What comforting words when we're going through trials. In fact, I think sometimes why God allowed trials and difficulties is for us to realize just the preciousness of you in the presence of who? Of Christ in our hearts even right now, okay? There's some problems you guys realize uh, as you, uh, the scripture says we're to encourage one another, right? 
And even in church, people go through different trials. And there's some people's trial, we pray for it to go away. But you guys realize, I pray for people's trials, for it to go away. But then I also realize sometimes, the reality is we ask God, but it's not God's will for their trials to go away. But then we need to also see the preciousness of what? The presence of God throughout trials. Okay? Um, you know what also? The direct address to God, right? Earlier before, it's third person, but now it's going and talking about God, addressing God here, okay? And when it says, you are with me, okay? You are with me. The phrase, because you are with me, is actually the central uh, focus of this psalm, okay? Because in this psalm, 26 words before that and 26 words after it. And sandwiched in between, perfectly symmetrically numbered, is the phrase, you are with me, okay? Hebrew is very beautiful in terms of the words um, as poetry. The, our poetry is often with what? Rhyme with every line. But Hebrew poetry is the way the words are ordered, the way it crisscross, and also mm. the word distribution also as well, okay? So this is the key. This is a, almost a fulcrum point, right, uh, of this psalm, okay? Another way God is a benefit when, we, uh, when He's our Lord during our trials is this. And by the way, when I say God, also this applies with Christ, okay? Mm. Is God's comfort is also the second benefit. Did you see the line where it says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, Anthony earlier made the observation, like, wow, interesting, these terms, rod and comfort, we often associate them with what? Maybe with military matters or, or, or punishment. Uh, and the most gracious is discipline, right? Okay. These two terms are interesting, okay? This shows, by the way, God's presence is not only just sometimes uh, we always think is lovey-dovey. It is, okay? But part of His love is sometimes it also comes with two things, okay? Your rod and your staff, okay? Uh, the first instrument is a shorter rod used for defense, okay? This is where, you know, a shepherd, if a wolf or a coyote suddenly comes near the sheep, this is what He's going to use. He's, not, he's using this and it's meant to be hurting, okay? It's for defense, okay? Uh, this is uh, with that. The second term, though, is a longer st- is a staff. It's longer, and this is used for support. Okay, think of a sheep that might have fallen away, uh, got stuck in a path, and it's used to what hold it up, to lift it up with that, or also to say, hey, uh, sheep, you're going the wrong path. You're going away. You're straying, and then it's a what gentle stroke or gentle hit. Okay, so these two brings us comfort. Now sometimes we could be. In our sin, hurt our self-inflicted, hurting ourselves. So God disciplined us to make us to turn back to Him and to be on the right what path. Does that make sense? Yes. That's His comfort. But the other one is also when we have enemies and spiritual enemies. I think it is actually biblically appropriate to. Do, let me ask you guys this question: Is it appropriate, you guys think, to even pray uh, for our spiritual enemies for the rod for them at times? Mm-hmm. Now we also know Jesus Christ said, "Pray for your enemies." I think we right. do pray for that. But I think there's also, it's not mutually exclusive because sometimes we go through trials or persecution. I think, I it think depends we. It depends on yeah. like the, the intention behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, for instance, I actually think um, I, my, my own personal practice is we try as much as possible when people persecute us or whatever, we pray for them to be saved. But I also mm. think um, there's times where, wow, it's so heavy. We could pray both. But I also feel like when I see. Christian brother being persecuted. Man, we, there's, I think, a place to pray. Yeah, for those enemies' salvation, but also, hey, Lord God, sometimes, like, man, 
Look at them hurting our brothers and sisters. They need to know the rod and the power of God also yeah. as well. Okay. I think uh, you look at Jesus' prayer about like turn the other cheek, all that is more personal, right? It's one thing uh, when someone slaps me to turn my cheek, but then I can't go and say, hey guys, um, you know, someone's hitting you right now. Okay, no, no, keep turning your cheek. Does that make sense? It's wrong for a police officer to go and say, oh, it's okay. You know, no, he's called to be what? Duty. To be what? A protector, right? Yeah. Same thing. So in personal ethic, yeah, you know, someone... Um, Personally offend me, insult me, I think we should turn the other cheek, right? If they spit at me, you know, it's not life-threatening, right? But there is like a certain point where self-defense is okay, Yeah, I think so. Sure. I think there is uh, with that. I think it's not either or. Uh, I actually think uh, our prayers, because when you look at the prayers in heaven, when the martyrs, they pray for God's justice too. You can't say it's wrong. Oh, it's earthly prayer in the Old Testament. No, in the New Testament, it is too. But I think it's also, it's both. We... Uh, but I think the uh, intention is godly when it says your will be done is what happens if they repent what happens if they become a believer are you going to say no I'll not forgive you or you're thankful for God's testimony that someone's saved does that make sense that someone repented and turned around okay um, so I think it is both uh, we pray for that I think it was like the analogy of the prodigal son right yeah so like once he returned you treat him like yeah your own yeah I think sometimes the military analogy is also helpful for me. I feel like um, I remember the first prisoner of war they, uh, that we had. Um, I was a young 18, 19 year old kid. And I remember they uh, told me for that moment, some of the higher ups, like the sergeants at NCO, they had to leave to look at some other uh, injured guy. And they told me, watch him. And I remember saying, what do I do? And then they were like, no, don't do anything. Just watch him. Just don't do anything. Because, you know, 18, 19, you're thinking, oh, this guy has been shooting at, you know, at Marines, at us. Like, what do we do to them? And then the older guy, this is where you need older guys. Because, hey, you know, the officer, hey, hey, you don't do anything. Just make sure he doesn't do anything crazy, but just watch him, but, but don't. And you realize, and the next moment, the medic comes and the corpsman comes and what? They're patching up. And I remember 19 year old thinking, what a crazy world. What a crazy world. In one moment, this guy wants to kill you and other guys. The next moment, <laughs> people are patching him up and then getting a helicopter to get him out of there for his own. Uh, health thing, right? What a crazy world. But that's what we're called to. That's what we're called to, right? And it's, we go by God's law. That's not vengeance. Now, if it turns out, hey, you know, in the end, this is what, Rod, I think there's a place also as well uh, for that, okay? So we do not fear. Uh, so the benefit is we do not fear, verses 4, right? In the presence of the enemy, David said to God, you prepared a table before me, okay? The word table is referring to those that prepare for meal, okay? And, God, and even in the presence of enemy, God, David could say to God, You have anointed my head with oil. In the presence of my enemies, David said to who? God, my cup overflows. Okay. Oh. Uh, what a beautiful analogy. What a beautiful thing. Do you trust God in your difficult times? Okay. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go through this a little faster. The last part is, The Lord is my shepherd for eternity. It says, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay. Notice the situation described. It says, all the days of my life, and then he talks about forever. So he's no longer looking, whereas the uh, first one is looking at the normal times. Yeah. Second, he's looking at the Lord as shepherd in what? Difficult times, which yeah. is the bulk, three to, uh, uh, you know, uh, the biggest chunk, uh, three to five. But now the last part, verse six, is the Lord is my shepherd, what? For eternity, okay? In fact, uh, when we pick this up again in January, when we pick up Psalm 24 again, uh, because, you know, next week is Christmas Eve, right? Um, we pick this up again next time. We'll be in Psalm 24, which is actually predicting the Messiah 
as future coming king. But verse 6 connects with that. Okay, The more I study the Psalms, the more I see it is more like a Lego than, I, than at first glance, if you study carefully. They interconnect and support one another. Okay, So, uh, so that's where the Messiah as... Psalm 23, the Messiah is what? As Shepherd, right? Yeah. Psalms 22 earlier, Messiah is what? Suffering servant, right? Uh, suffering servant, uh, shepherd, which is present ministry right now. And later on, 24, the coming king. Okay, the Messiah is coming king. Okay, but here we see in verses 6, um, he's talking about in the future, and he says he's going to dwell with God. What is this place called he's going to be dwelling in? It is the house of the Lord. Let me ask you guys a question. David, during his life, was the temple built. No, okay. Who will build the temple? Which king? Slow-mo. Solomon. Or slow-mo <laughs> people, okay? Slow, it's called slow, slow-mo. sounds so interesting. I think the English sounds so much cool in English, right? Slow-mo, his son, okay? The third king of Israel is the one that built the temple. So what is he talking about? Is he lying here or is he saying something there will be a future temple one day in the millennial kingdom or eternal state? I think he's referring to the millennial kingdom, okay? The, the temple to come. Not Solomon's one because in his lifetime... David would not be alive, okay? And yet he says that he's going to be dwelling with God or the Messiah forever, okay? Have you trusted in Christ to be a shepherd of your life even with heaven? If so, I think we need to realize that, okay? Now, if you guys can, you guys have the second uh, outline? If you guys could click on the second one. This is where I think this is so cool. Uh, when you read this, some of us might say, how is this Messiah? I don't see it. I don't see it, okay? I actually think it is the Messiah, okay? Um... If you guys have the second outline, uh, if you guys put your pinky or thumb in Psalm 23, and also turn with me to Mark chapter 14, okay? Mark chapter 14. You guys could turn there, okay? You guys remember the words here, okay? If you guys turn with me to Mark 14, this is the uh, towards the end of Jesus' life, okay? Uh, if you read Mark 14 verses 1, uh, we're going to go around, different person, okay? Uh, Anthony, could you read Mark 14, verse 1? So, by the way, we're going to be uh, going back and forth. Okay. <clears throat> now the Passover and unleavened bread were two days away, and chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to seize him by stealth and kill him. Yeah. So, what does the scribes and chief priests, what do they want to do to Jesus Christ? A little off with his head. Yeah, yeah off with his head, okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, now remember Jesus in Psalm 23, verse 4, what did he say? Even though I walk through the valley of the what? Shadow of yeah. death, okay? Uh, remember also as well, um, here, uh, you know, the a passage in Matthew 20, uh, Luke 23, no, Psalm 23. How many enemies did that psalmist writing has? Plural. Plural enemies, right? Okay. So chief priests and scribes. You guys notice it's plural, okay? Uh, but also as well, if you look, um, look with me in Mark fourteen twelve. Uh, Caleb, could you read verses twelve? Mark fourteen twelve. Yeah, Mark fourteen twelve. Okay, we'll be hopping back and forth. Psalm twenty three and Mark fourteen. Uh, Mark fourteen verse twelve. Oh, oh what happened, Caleb? Is it in the outline? Oh, uh, it's not in the outline. Okay. Oh, it's in the second outline, I'm sorry. But uh, the, the verse is not written out, is what I meant. Okay. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. We could do it for now. Is that okay? Okay. And on this first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was being sacrificed, his disciples said to him, 
Where do you want us to go to prepare for you to eat the Passover? Yeah, so remember, enemies are before him, right? Mm. He has enemies. People want to kill him. He's, yeah, interesting, interesting. you know, figuratively in the valley of the shadow of death. I would actually say it's pretty literal in the middle, okay? But then in the middle of this, this passage talks about eating. What is the holiday called? Passover. Passover, okay? So the disciples asked Jesus what? Hey, where should we go and celebrate the Passover? By the way, you might think it's just a holiday, but it is not. For Jesus, it's a big deal. Because if he does not eat this meal, did he live out all the law? He would not have been righteous enough because he would be committing the sin of omission. Mm. Not commission like doing bad things, but omission by not fulfilling. So it's important. He needs to. Mm. Then did God provide it? Verse 16. The disciples went out to the city and found it just as they told him and prepared. Do you remember the whole thing, the story? Jesus says, hey, go to the city. You'll find a man with a pitcher. Verses 14. And you follow him and say the, uh, t- uh, the teacher ha- uh, is looking for a place to eat. And then they showed him a what? A large upper room. So did, the, did God provided Jesus Christ prepare the table before him? It's kind of random. You just go to someone's house and say, yeah, okay. we need a room. And I think the reason why it's random is to make the point that it's really God that provided. Okay? So did God live, did Jesus Christ live Psalm 23 out? That you have prepared the table before me. Yeah, okay. By the way, the coincidence still does not stop. Okay? Still does not stop. Look at Mark 14.3. Caleb, would you be able to read Mark 14.3? Mark 14.3. Mm-hmm. While he was in Bethany at the home of Simon the Leper, reclining at the table, there came a woman with alabaster vial of ver- very costly perfume and pure nards, and she broke the vial and poured it over his head. Okay, yeah. What is this woman doing here to Jesus? Anointing. Anointing. Isn't it so interesting that the Messiah, you guys know what literally in Hebrew the Messiah means? Or the word Christ? Hebrew is Messiah. The Greek translation or transliteration is Christ or Christos. But you know what it literally means in English? It means anointed one. Have you realized in the whole story of Jesus' life, no one has actually literally anointed him until this moment? A woman, okay? A woman who anointed him. Which is like Psalm 23, verse 5, right? Uh, Psalm, uh, Psalm 23, verse 5, it says, You have anointed my head with what? Oil, okay? In the same verse that talks about you have prepared a table. So in Psalm 23, verses, uh, in uh, Mark 14, 3, there's a mention of what? Table. And anointing, okay? No one, not even his disciples, is going out there to pour an oil on him. Mm. Except for, well, they're too busy arguing about who's the greatest. Remember, yeah. who should be, all that and stuff. Well, it's and very he, costly, too. Yeah, and costly nard, okay? I think nard was from India. And is breaking that to mm. anoint him. Mm. To show him that he is the precious Messiah. Mm. Okay, precious anointed one. Then look with me also as well in Mark 14, verses 23. Mark 14, verses 23. Uh, Nancy, would you be able to read that? Then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. Okay, thank you so much. So Jesus drinks this cup. This cup was able to give given to not just one person, but who else? The disciples. Yeah, everyone. Okay. Do you remember uh, Psalm twenty three verse five where it says, "My cup what overflows." Okay, overflows. Then look with me also in verses thirty six. This is where man, it gets really deep. I think. 
Verses 36. Uh, Rebecca, would you be able to read verse 36? <laughs> take the cup of what of suffering the wrath the cup of wrath god's wrath being poured out in the old testament it's often an imagery of wine being poured out and by the way he's going to take this and drink and drink that blessing that overflows to who all of us okay now remember psalm 23 is about the messiah or the shepherd do you see in the end of jesus life any echoes i mean do you guys see the i hope you guys see, there's so many motifs in psalm 23 echoing in this last day of Jesus' life, last night, okay? But is there any mention of shepherd in Mark 14? Yeah. Yes. If you look with me in Mark 14, verses 27, you guys see that? Uh, Nancy, would you be able to read that? Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Okay, do you see that? By the way, this is also Messianic prophecy, okay? Um, the Messiah is pictured as both a shepherd and a sheep, okay? Shepherd and a sheep. Then if you look again at verses 50, this is what it says. And they left him and they fled, okay? Fulfilling what? The scripture, okay? So Jesus Christ, he didn't just go only through the valley of the shadow of death. He actually went to his death in the fullest sense of the word. Not just physical death, but the deep spiritual separation from God, yes. hell itself, mm. to save us. Now, this is the beauty, because if you look elsewhere, in, uh, by the way, Mark 14, Mark wants you to read Mark 14. If you know Psalm 23, you would say, whoa, Jesus, he knows and he lived out Psalm 23 as what? The one that knows mm. going through that and yet trusting God. But if you turn with me also in Mark, 4, uh, Mark 6, turn with me in Mark 6. You see the Messiah in a different way, okay? You see the Messiah in a different way that he is what? The good shepherd himself, okay? That he's like the one that's the one that is God acting it out, okay? Uh, and I don't think it's a contradiction because Jesus Christ is what? Messiah is fully God and fully man, okay? Uh, Mark 6, if you look with me, in verses, uh, oh man, I'm doing this on the fly. Uh, verses 34, do you see this? When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them, because they were like what? Sheep without a shepherd. Again, the sheep imagery, okay? Then he began to teach them many things, okay? By the way, look at the place where he leads them to. Look at the place. Remember, they were about to eat because there's a desolate place. And then he's, you know, did you see in verses 35, at first, this desolate place? And then he asked the disciple, hey, we're going to feed them. And the disciple was like, oh, what are you talking about? We can't feed them. But did you see what Jesus then do? Literally, what did he do in verses um, verses uh, 39, okay? He commanded them by groups to sit down on what? Grass. What kind of grass? Green grass. Remember the new grass. Is that an echo somewhere we've seen earlier? Psalm 23, remember? They were in desolate land, and now he literally led them to an area where there would be land. By the way, there is water, okay? Because the next part in, uh, if you look in Mark four, uh, 6, verses 45 onwards, uh, this is after they fit, feed them, okay? He's provided for them. He's provided for their needs, right? He's fed them. But what does he do right afterward? He goes on a 
boat. Or he told them to go ahead on a boat. And do you remember what happened? We're on the boat. They got stuck because there was a storm. And Jesus, what did he do? He walks on water. And then the disciples in the boat are screaming, whether they say, ah, help us, and all of that. And what did Jesus do? He rebuked the storm. And what did he do to the water? He calmed them and lead them even in calm waters. Okay? If you read Mark 6 and you know your Psalm 23, if you were to be a disciples of Jesus, you would have been like, okay, is this a coincidence? Or it is not. Okay? I'm bringing up Mark 6 and Mark 10, uh, 14 to make a point. Jesus lived out both. He is the Lord. He is a shepherd that calms the storm, that leads the people in the green grass. But is he the one that also knows what it's like? It's so beautiful. He knows what it's like. He knows what it is to be the sheep also, to be led by God the Father, that God has prepared a table before Him as enemies. Even an enemy that sits on His very table. Who's that? Judas himself, who will betray Him. And unlike us, He will lead us to the valley of the shadow of death, but He Himself went through death to die on the cross to save us from our sins. What a beautiful Savior. Yes? Beautiful scriptures. Yes? And I hope you see, I feel like this season sometimes, people go through doubts. You could serve the Lord in ministry. Things will never go your way. Okay? I thought I was, I thought I was making a turning point this year. And I realized, man, this last two months, man, people are wretchfully, are very wretched and sinful. Okay? Uh, if I could be honest, I feel as a pastor, uh, I get yelled at by crazy people more than I, uh, but more than I, I correct, but I don't yell most of the time. Right. But at the same time, I realize, you know, why do we do this? Hey, if our enemy, if Christ would do this, we need to see the scripture. We need to realize why we do what we do is because of Christ, not because of any results first. We hope for results, but we do this because of our great Savior who loved us, died for us, and the beauty and the glory of God and the greatest story ever told may we never cheapen it and because we see the beauty may we obey when we love him and when we serve him and may we continue on in our faith for God amen